Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 3. Yes, we're going to start in Galatians chapter 3 um, for our lesson for this morning. In class, we covered a lot of powerful topics. In fact, we didn't get to cover all the things we wanted to cover in these powerful topics as well. And there's just so much in here. Um, and, and we just don't have the time sometimes to cover it the way we would like to, and even understand it the way we would like to, to be honest with you. Um, but have you ever wondered, what is the purpose of the law? Uh, I mean, if it doesn't have the power to give life, it doesn't have the power to save us, then what is its purpose? Paul talks about that here in this text. Well, what about baptism? I mean, all along here, Paul has been pounding faith that we are justified by our trusting faithfulness. So what is the purpose of baptism? What is it all about? Well, he covers some of that here in this particular text. We hear about people saying, well, I'm a child of God. Do we even know what that means? What does that mean to say I am a child of God? Paul talks about that here in this text as well. Last week, um, we noted that Galatians, the Galatians had been given the Holy Spirit. And that's great. We can say, ah, we've got the Spirit of God. But what does that mean? And he covers, you know, again, not in its full explanation, but in portions of what they needed to hear here in this text as far as the Spirit. So we don't have time to go over all the things that we covered in class. Uh, but we are going to look at some things that I believe are very important and applicable to us today. And the first thing I want to notice is this. We are set free in Christ. We are set free in Christ. I'm going to begin reading in verse 19 of chapter 3. He says, Why the law then? It was added because of transgressions until the seed whom the promise would, uh, was made would come. The law was ordered through angels by means of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not for just one person, but God is one. Is the law, therefore, contrary to God's promises? Absolutely not. For if the law had been given that was able to give life, then righteousness would certainly have been by the law. But the Scripture has imprisoned everything under sin's power so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. Before this faith came... We were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith has been revealed. So here's Paul, and he is giving these uh, purposes of the law, and we discover of why the law is important. We find out what it's all about. Now, last week we noted that the law pronounces a curse upon our disobedience. It's not because the law is a curse. It's not because the law is evil. We talked about that in class. But because of our sinful nature and breaking of law, then it pronounces this curse. Now we see something else in the text. And he says that by our sinfulness and our disobedience to the law, he says that it imprisons us. The law serves as a prison guard. It imprisons us. For all who are disobedient to God. Now God hasn't caused us to sin. Our fleshly nature did this. 
We chose to obey or to disobey God. God limits us and he imprisons us. He makes us subject to punishment. And we look at this and we say, well, that doesn't sound like a very loving God, does it? And we see this verse here and it says, for God is in prison, all in disobedience. But if you go on and you read the rest of it, he says it's so that he may have mercy on all. The key phrase there is so that. He allowed our unfaithfulness so that he could respond in mercy. He delayed the fulfillment of restoration and these promises to the Jews so that these promises could also be given to the Gentiles, to us. The law of Moses, it, was, uh, it bound Israel to their sins. The Messiah coming as a faithful Israelite, he succeeded where all other Israelites had failed. He was able to follow the law in its perfection. His faithful obedience to death and resurrection, it brought redemption to us. But how could God bring salvation to the Gentiles too? I mean, these were pagan worshipers. These were people who were even farther removed than even the Jews. He imprisoned the Jews too. And by imprisoning Jews and Gentiles together, when this faith came in Christ, and they are justified by this trusting faithfulness in Christ, so they will be justified, the Gentiles, out of mercy. We have been set free, is what he says. For Israel, exile ended. It's finally over. This, this time, this intimacy that they once really enjoyed with God and, and, and the things that were lost. For Gentiles, this life that's uh, pictured as being released from this evil cosmic power. And I believe he's talking about these, these idols that they worship with these demonic forces behind them. They are finally broken and they are released and they are brought into God's family. And really the question comes to us, well, what is it that imprisoned us? For those of us who are in Christ, okay, we have this trusting faith. What is it that has imprisoned you? This all goes back to what we've said over and over again. We need to know our story. We need to know where we came from. We need to understand when he says that he rescued us from this present evil age, what it is that he rescued us from. And if you're here and you're not in Christ, or you're not even sure about it maybe, then ask yourself, what is it right now that you are imprisoned to? What sinfulness? What addiction? What, what, what kind of, of trouble? Or whatever it may be in your life. What is it that has you imprisoned? Because Jesus has come to free us, to free all of us. Now, let's notice the next thing. It is, we are children of God. We are children of God. All right, we're going to go back to chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 24, and we're going to read on into chapter 4. So he says in verse 24, the law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. 
There is neither no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Listen to that. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and stewards until the time set, uh, set by the father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elemental forces of the world. But when the completion of that time came, God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, so you are no longer, a, uh, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God. In class, we talked about this idea of a guardian. And what this is, 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 is speaking of, of a child. They are considered a child to a certain point in time. Until that time, they are under what we might consider a tutor in some sense, but it was really more than that. They took them back and forth to, the, to these teaching arenas, and they were slaves that took these children of these families, and they were harsh disciplinarians. And they made sure that these children did what they were supposed to do. They made, they made sure that they did not get out of line. They also protected them in getting back and forth. And the point is that this was the way of the law as well. A time came when a Jewish boy finally became a son. You, uh, we said in class, well, you know, when we have children, you know, I've got three boys. Every time one was born, I would tell them, look, I've got a son. But in the, the Hebrew and Greek culture, that was, that was a different thing. They were considered a child. Eventually, they were known as a son. And so... Um, he no longer needed a guardian to take him back and forth to school. The law was Israel's guardian to the time of Christ. And so the harsh disciplinarian is doling out these punishments and these curses for their disobedience. Now Jesus has come, and we no longer need for that guardian. He redeems us from the curse of the law. He adopts us as sons and daughters of Abraham. Sons and daughters of God. It's powerful stuff that we find in here. Now notice chapter 4 verse 6. He says, because we are children of God, the Spirit of Christ now has been sent into our hearts. And we cry out, Abba, Father. Folks, this is powerful stuff. There is an intimacy with God that only can come by being a part of God's family. If you're not a part of God's family, then we cannot cry out in this way. The sons of God, we said this in, the, in class, the sons of God is an Old Testament designation. It means those who are the elect of God's people. People of the covenant. They are family members. 
of the Almighty God. And he's saying to you Gentiles, you Gentiles, you are a part of the covenant of the promise. Therefore, you have no need to be circumcised. Circumcision is not what is going to bring you into that covenant promise. So Paul uses here the Aramaic word of Abba. That, that would have really resonated with the Hebrews. And he also uses a Greek word that is pronounced there as father. They're both indicating the same thing, but he's also showing that Jews and Gentiles can call out, Father, Father, Abba, Father. Because he has made us one. We sit at one table. Now hopefully we know that God isn't male or female. That God is an unapproachable light. That doesn't bear these physical characteristics that we bear. God sometimes designates himself as a woman, as a mother. And those designations are there to help us to understand. Here, he says we cry out, Father. Because it highlights the generous and loving provision. It, it emphasizes God as the giver of the promised inheritance. As a father. And so when we cry out, Abba, Father, what we are doing is we are confirming our status in God. It's powerful stuff. Powerful stuff. Now let's notice one more thing as, as we move on. And that is we are the new creation. We are the new creation. I want, let's back up. Let's, read verse, let's go back to chapter 3. And I want to reread verses 27 and 28. He says, For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Therefore, or there is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. As we've gone through this letter, Paul has emphasized faith, hasn't he? I mean, it's undeniable. And he's showing that we are justified by this trusting faithfulness in God and not by these legalistic works of the law. The law was never intended to be that way. The law never said it was that way. But there were those who were trying to show that this is how they were redeemed. We also know that we are justified by the, fullness, or by the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in chapter 2 and in verse 10. And he says, not by works of the law. He says in chapter 2 and verse 20, the life I now live, he says, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians, Christians, they receive the Spirit in chapter 3 and verse 2 by hearing with faith and not by following laws. And what about Abraham? Abraham, it says that he was credited for righteousness because of his trusting faithfulness in God. We know he was circumcised, but he's showing that he had been credited righteousness before this physical ritual that took place. And it's easy for us to sit back and start wondering, well, wait a second, well, this thing we call baptism, is it important? Is it something that, you know, it just doesn't matter at all because we are saved by our trusting faithfulness in God? Paul says, no. 
No, you don't throw baptism out at all. In fact, baptism, he says, unites us with Christ. A transformation begins, and it, this is the mysterious union and transformation that happens when we are immersed in the name of Jesus. We put on Christ. We are saved by our trusting faithfulness in Jesus. And we are united with him in baptism. This is not faith versus baptism. And that's the problem I think we find in the religious world. That's the problem we can find within our own faith. In thinking we choose one or the other. One is the saving thing and the other is not. And therefore we emphasize this and not this. No, no, no. They work in conjunction with one another. They don't work apart from each other. Listen, you've got to see it for what it is. They work together in redemption. You ever wondered about the, the baptism of Jesus? You know, Jesus comes out, and, he, and John the Baptist, he's the one who is, is given uh, that particular, uh, you know, privilege. And we know that he immersed for repentance. Now, Jesus never sinned. And John recognized this. And John says, Jesus, no, 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 no. He said, I don't, you, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. And so Jesus responds to that. He says, allow it for now. Because this is the way to fulfill all righteousness. And then he allowed him to be baptized. And by this baptism, Jesus identifies with sinful man. He really is identifying with Israel. The people who need to be purified. Now what happens at this baptism is what is so huge. And we sometimes can miss it. And it goes on and says, And after Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. And this scene should sound very familiar because it is a reenactment of the creation scene. Where the Father is there and He speaks and the Spirit is there hovering over the waters. And Jesus, He is there. He is present. The Son. And out of, of, of Genesis, we see human life is born. And here in Jesus' baptism, we find a new birth. A rebirth as John chapter 3 and verse 3 talks about. A new creation emerges. And over here in Genesis, when this happens, history is unleashed. And over here in baptism, we find that there is a re-releasing, a freedom that begins as was in the garden. Now, let's take this further. We move back a little bit further from this baptism of Christ, and we look at this um, as well, and we see this overall of what's happening here at the Jordan River. And what we find is this overarching idea of surrender. Why is Jesus there at the Jordan River? Why does Jesus do the things he did? Because he was submitting to the will of the Father. You just read this over and over again. 
It is an all-out trusting faithfulness that we see in Jesus. And it's from this trusting faithfulness in the will of the Father by doing this that we suddenly hear he's called a son. He is the beloved son. And get this, the Spirit of God is poured out on him. And the very next verse, the very next verse we learn that the Spirit of God is leading Christ. Everything we know and we teach about baptism, it grows out of this point. It finds its meaning here in the baptism of Christ. Jesus' life, his ministry, his witness. It is the beginning of a new creation that is born in baptism. Where there is this now, the, this, uh, that was the part of the Spirit. This now where we see that we walk in this new way of life. Because we're new creatures. Paul says this is important. Look at chapter 6 and verse 15. We're back in Galatians for a second. 6 and verse 15. What does he say? For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. He says this. This is really what matters. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. And by new creation, he says, The old things have passed away, and behold, these new things have come. And that new nature is being empowered by the Spirit of God. Go back to Galatians 5 now. In verse 18, he says, But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. And what he's talking about there is you are no longer under the law's punishment. The curse of the law. The Spirit testifies that we are sons and daughters of God. Romans 8, 16 and 17 shows this. Adoption is for those who have put their trust in Christ and they have been baptized into Christ. And when we put on Christ, then Christ then sends the Spirit. The adoption process is finally completed, according to Romans 8 and verse 28, when the redemption finally comes, and we will get the, the full redemption of our bodies. And I love this. He says, and not only that, but we ourselves who are the Spirit, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we eagerly wait for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. And it's this word first fruits that I want to look at. Because first fruits tells us something. It is the sign of ripeness. It is a sign of glorification and resurrection. The guarantee of eternal life. And get this, first fruits were the produce that was brought at Pentecost. Pentecost is the place of the Feast of the Harvest. That is the same Pentecost when the Spirit finally is poured out onto the Jews. And eventually on to the Gentiles. 
Long before Jesus walked the earth, he believed that there was going to be this great revival that was going to take place. They believed a great revival was going to take place at Pentecost, that it was going to be like Sinai. And the reason for that is, if you look at it from the time of Passover, Pentecost 50, talking about 50 days from, uh, from Passover, if you look at the time where Israel is finally freed, uh, which that was the Passover, you know, the blood over the doorpost, and to the time that they came out to Mount Sinai and the law was given, folks, it is, it is the exact time that the law was given to Moses on Sinai. It was the exact time that God gave himself to these people. For hundreds of years, the Jews traveled from all over the world to come to Jerusalem for Pentecost, hoping that the new Sinai moment was going to take place. And when this happened, and they heard that violent, mighty, rushing wind, and, and the fire, the cloven tongues over the apostles' heads, they absolutely knew it had come. Read the Sinai moment. Read it in Exodus. Read about the storm, um, the storm of smoke and the fire on Sinai. Because we see here that God has come to renew. He has come to make new His covenant with His people. The Spirit, at this point, brings the law. Like on Mount Sinai, the law is given. Now, when the coming of the Spirit, and this is what they were all waiting for, the Spirit comes and writes the law on their hearts. They were able to do things they could not do under the old ways. And the Spirit now has been given not just to the Jews, but we see it's been given to all humanity, as was prophesied by Joel. Jews and Gentiles. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the first fruits. This language is there for a reason. We find it all throughout the scriptures. And that means that there is a larger harvest that is to come. That Jesus' resurrection shows us, gives us a glimpse into these new redemptive bodies. Of this new heaven and this new earth. When our transformation is finally completed at the second coming of Christ. That we will be given bodies that will not corrupt. They will not die. They are glorious. They are powerful. They are spiritual. For those who have put on Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.49 says, And just... Oops. And just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust. Well, I don't have it in there. And just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. A new community is made up of Jews and Gentiles, all sitting at one table, awaiting the coming of the Lord. Folks, that's what we did this morning with our communion. Read it. Read Corinthians. He says this is a time of sharing. It's a time of oneness. 
We drop everything of who we are outside of these doors and we become this oneness in Jesus Christ. A new community. Is there anything about this that you wouldn't desire for your own life? The Father is longing to set the world free of these curses, of this imprisonment to sin. The Father is wanting to shower His mercy on everyone in the world. By trusting faithfulness, we are justified, we are vindicated from our sins. God wants us, God wants to make us His children. He is not this distant God that people in the world think that He is. He's not. He comes and He lives in us and with us in the new creation, in our baptism where Christ is now put on. And we cry out, Abba, Father. You ever thought about being baptized? We've talked about faith quite a bit. Let's talk about baptism for just a second. Have you ever thought about being baptized? And if you're not baptized, then the question is, what's, what's holding you back? You know? I mean, look at these blessings. Look at all that God is wanting from us, wanting to give us. But maybe the better question is, I think it's the most important, maybe. How can we help you? How can we help you in the questions that you have and in things that are holding you back? Because this is such a beautiful thing. Faith and baptism. Not working apart from one another, but joining up together in this new creation that we have where Jesus comes and lives in us. The Spirit comes and lives in us and empowers us. Folks, this is, this is just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's, it's not to be looked at as, well, I checked something off of my list. That's what these missionaries were doing. They thought it was all about a checkoff list. And we can be the same way. We can be the same way. Well, are you saved? Yeah, I got a checkoff list. Jesus saves us. Trust Him. Trust the promises that He gives. And put on our Lord. In baptism that joins us together no matter what our ethnic qualities may be no matter if you're a male or a female no matter if you are a slave or a free if you're a boss or you are the subservient person it, we here are a new community of people and we're put here by Jesus Messiah can we help you in any way whether it's right now during this song or whether it's right after this or whether it's during this week, we don't care. But listen, act on it.
Take that next step for your life.